You are listening to a message from First Assembly of God. We are a church on a mission to restore everyone, everywhere to a loving and holy God. If today's message inspires you in any way, would you consider sharing it with a friend? This is just one of the many ways that you can be a part of what God is doing here at First Assembly. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you for uh, Pastor Joel for this investment in our part of the world. Thank you for your investment, your obedience in following Jesus in offering not only your life but what he puts in your hands. There is no substitute for turning it around instead of it's not all about me, it's all about him, and it flows from my life. And it's amazing how God multiplies what we give him. So thank you for your generosity today, and thank you for your support of a church that I think is uh, reaching across cultures and reaching many, many new people, not only in Bloomington Normal, but relationally, you've been helping us for over 30 years, so anything you hear this morning that's about Asia, you've had something to do with. Some of you weren't born 30 years ago. So the mantle is being passed off because missions is a legacy issue as well. It's not just something for grandpa to give to or your dad to give to. It's something for us to invest in as a body of believers because that's God's heart. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You met my wife briefly as she stood. If you have a moment after the service, please come up and greet her. Um, it's too bad that we don't have simultaneous simulcast going on because she's got wonderful stories to tell about what the Lord has done in her life and ministry. This is not, she jokingly says to me, I've come along on the Bill Snyder show, but this is not a one-person act. This is something that we do as a family together. Amen? Amen. And you as a family, you do it together. Um, Three weeks ago, I was in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, and I had the chance to be with our superintendent of the church there. Last month, after years of trying, the Assemblies of God in Vietnam has been given official government status. They can now meet in open without fear of the police breaking in. They can have an above-ground Bible school rather than an underground Bible school. They can actually own property that can be in the name of the church. And that hasn't happened since 1975 when the Vietnam War came to an end. So in the month of October, you can imagine the excitement among the Assemblies of God. An interesting thing came about just three days ago. I'm sitting at home in, in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and my phone goes off. And it's a friend of mine who works in Vietnam, who works very closely with Pastor Samuel. And he says, now you've been in Ho Chi Minh, but Samuel wants you to come to Hanoi. He says, that's where we are. We've got believers. We've got young workers up here. And Samuel is so excited about telling God's story through media to the next generation in Vietnam. He says, you've got to come to Hanoi. He says, we've got dates down. Can you be there? And he gave me the dates at the end of March, which worked really well. And so next year we're going back. This will be our third trip in a recent period of a year. But God has opened a door in that country for us to be able to train people who are the next generation who put the word of God into a language that people can understand and bring them the good news. Amen. 
Amen. I, I want to show you a two-minute video about what it is that you've supported. When we went there in 1988, there was nothing. It's kind of like when we went to Carlinville in 1988, there was a studio, but there was nothing in it. Oh, there was a desk, I'm sorry, and a telephone and a chair. So along the way, God's kind of helped us to pioneer some stuff. Well, now we're 30 years later, and we're there at the right time, and our team is there at the right time. Ravi Zacharias is a great Christian apologist. Maybe you've seen him on television or you've seen him on YouTube. He said this about the times that we're living. It's a challenge to the church. He said, how do we reach a generation that listens with their eyes and thinks with their feelings? Now, that's different than my generation. But the generation that is emerging listens with their eyes. They think with feeling. And that says to me, if the gospel is not in their language visually, we are going to miss the emerging generation and a creative and very important way of sharing good news with them. If we're not there, we're a silent people. And we can't be that. So visually across Asia, we're doing many things to tell the good news. Let me introduce you to Asia Pacific Media, the ministry that you've supported even before it came into existence by supporting us. Thank you. His message multiplied. Three words to describe the vision of Asia Pacific Media. Since 1988, AP Media has been a catalyst for new ideas, a vision-casting ministry for Southeast Asia and beyond. Today, the way we communicate has changed, but the need for hope and life-giving messages never changes. Jesus' words still ring true. People are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So our goal is to use social media and entertainment to bring messages of hope. Our movies, short dramas, and documentaries in multiple languages continue to impact people and nations in their own language. Our social media stories and messages are seen by hundreds of thousands of people each month. Mom's Magazine is read in thousands of Filipino homes. The multiplication happens when believers use these tools to share Christ in their web of relationships. That's the power in social media. His message multiplied also means a vision to empower churches by training the next generation of storytellers and media producers to see media teams launched across Asia who will tell their own stories of God's grace. Why do we do this? Because Jesus said go. And social media is the common ground today where people gather. Through stories and drama, we have access to the hearts and minds of Buddhists, Muslims, Catholics, even Spiritists. Your partnership provides the support to produce creative content that believers will share and enables us to train the next generation in using and producing Christian messages across the region. Thank you for your support. Asia Pacific Media, his message multiplied. And it began as 
simply a small idea. Let's go to Asia and let's reach people with media. And in 1988, that was FM radio or shortwave radio, which hardly exists today. But God has his way of putting the right people in the right place at the right time. And sometimes we don't even know exactly how it all happened. He is the God of the unexpected. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning for a few minutes that we have. I want to talk about missions and the God of the unexpected. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could see life and really discern what's important? In other words, just be inundated with factoids and visuals we're over, and commercials. We're overwhelmed with information and underwhelmed with understanding. One of the joys of medical missions is to be able to bring along an optometrist and to be able to place on the eyes of an old woman or an old man who can't read reading glasses. It's an easy win. It's an amazing win. Because all of a sudden, the glasses come on, the lens is there, and they can look at a page, and the, and the, the facial expression is priceless. They can see. All that scribbling makes sense. I can read again. I can see if you're close. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God could, at the end of this service, we could just line up and say, Lord, I'm a candidate. I would like spiritual LASIK vision. Anybody in? Me too. Me too. Because in the midst of a lot of stuff out there, I, I really want to understand what's important. Now, we've got a disadvantage. Everybody does. We grow up in a certain place. That's our culture. That's, our, that's the way that... Uh, that's the way that I saw something on, on uh, Facebook yesterday. Nine ways to say goodbye if you're from the Midwest. I'm from the Midwest. I haven't read it yet, but I'm going to. There's a culture. So if somebody comes in from the outside of the culture, they're kind of trying to figure out, well, which way to go and how to work in this kind of an environment. When people do this, what do they mean? We're all brought up with a culture around us. It's our box that we live in. And it can be a disadvantage to us because God works in our box, doesn't he? He doesn't work outside of our box, could he? So that we can honestly be blinded to the things that he is doing because it's outside of what we're used to. Jesus addresses this issue in John chapter 4. The entirety of John 4 is simply one story. It's the story of Jesus and his disciples going to Galilee. But they go on a way of a shortcut through Samaria. And he stops in the middle of the day at the well of Jacob in Samaria. Now, the Samaritans, I'll use modern language, they were an unreached people group. They were a splinter off of Judaism. They worshiped golden calves. Their entire religion was based around a falsity, a lie. They had been a part of the Jewish family, but now they were ostracized. Samaritans and Jews didn't get along at all. They had history. They had feelings toward each other. 
If a Jew talked about Samaritan, he would basically say, thank God, a Jewish elder would say, thank God I'm not a woman, a dog, or a Samaritan. That's how they felt. And the Samaritans also had no love lost. So here they are walking through this area. Jesus stops and a woman comes out in the middle of the day to draw water from the well and they begin a conversation. Jesus says, can I have a drink? And she immediately realizes, man, what in the world's going on here? You're a Jew and you're talking to me, a Samaritan. She didn't say to him, you're a man and you're talking to a woman in public. Jesus had really stepped outside of the box in order to speak into her. And he said to her, well, if you knew who it was that was asking, you'd ask him and he'd give you living water so that you wouldn't need to thirst again. And you know the story. If you haven't read the story completely, John chapter four is your assignment before you get too far into the week and you'll see the details of it. I'm on a short tether as far as time goes, so I'm not going to go into all of the intricacies of every scripture verse. But basically, Jesus and she have a conversation. She goes back to the village because he told her everything she ever did. Five husbands. Man she was living with wasn't her husband. And the disciples walk back into the scene as the woman is exiting to go back to her village. And the disciples look at him and say, well, Lord, eat something. He says to them, well, I have food to eat you know not of. And they look at each other, and where did he get food? That's what we've been looking for. And you see this conversation emerging between the disciples and Jesus, and it's like there are two worlds going on, but they're not touching The disciples don't see the woman. The disciples don't realize what's happening. The disciples are interested in one thing, and it's really dangerous to say at 11.15 in the morning, they're interested in lunch. Overcome the temptation. Don't be interested in lunch for a while. The disciples wanted to get on to Galilee, and Jesus is pulling them back by saying, open your eyes, look, The fields are white to harvest, and he wasn't talking about agriculture. An amazing moment is happening there, and I ask the question often of stories in Scripture. I say, why is this there? Why did you take so much time, John, to write this? And the reason is simply this. The disciples are just like us, or we are just like the disciples. We don't think certain things really Ah, that's not going to happen. I'm busy. I've got a schedule. Let's get to where we're going. And they were not aware of what God was doing around them through Jesus, through a word of knowledge that Jesus had about the woman. They were missing the big picture. God was at work in an unexpected place in Samaria, and they didn't realize it. Another thing that comes out of this story real quickly is the fact that the disciples probably, well, they were, they were prejudiced against Samaritans. And so there's prejudice in this story. God can't work, well, number one, that woman, you're messing with her. You're taking time for her. It's the middle of the day. They probably knew uh, something wrong with her. 
There was prejudice that's built into the story, and Jesus wanted to destroy the prejudice of the Jew against the Samaritan and open a new world to say, everybody's valuable to God. Everybody's valuable to God. So quickly, here's a couple of takeaways for this morning. Jesus does want us to see clearly and understand the times and focus on the right things. Instead of asking, what are you doing, Lord? The verse seems to pay no, the disciples seem to pay no attention to what Jesus was doing. We must see again that the big picture of what's going on is God is moving people. God is bringing people into our lives. And some of those people, there's the opportunity for us to have an impact on their life through a word, through a prayer, through a time spent. It's bigger than what we realize. God wants a people among every nation, and he calls us to work with him. I love coming to university towns because the university town is filled with people who have come from many countries, who've come from different backgrounds, who are looking for the handles to how to do life in Normal in Bloomington, Illinois. And acts of kindness go a long way to opening the door for relationship or kindness into the life of those. People are, what's God doing today? People are in motion everywhere. They're going here and there. They're going for education. They're going for economic opportunity. People are on the move. The church can expand in unexpected ways by having an open door to people that are on the move. God is also, I think, using the world that we live in, this internet, that thing that is in your purse that's on silent, hopefully, or the thing that's in your pocket. Some mission writer said this, that this is the greatest invention for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ since Gutenberg's press in the 1400s when the Bible was put into print and could be read by the ordinary person. Because this crosses barriers. I I can get on a Facebook page in Myanmar that our team started there called Media for Hope, and they're telling stories of Buddhists who have come to Jesus through, through journey, through miraculous things that have happened through their life, through healing, through deliverance. And those stories are being seen by thousands and thousands and tens of thousands, some as many as 300,000, and the majority of those that watch the story are Buddhists. Because they've also got one of these things in their pocket. The amazing $100 Chinese smartphone available in Myanmar and certain other third world countries. The interconnected world changed the way we communicate with one another. I need to tell you a story from the Philippines about something that we did. It's, it's being in the right place at the right time. It's understanding and focusing on the right things. This comes from the Philippines and and our president. And the story is about the war on drugs in the Philippines. Uh, When President Duterte was elected, he came to power in the Philippines, one term, six years, on the war on drugs. He had been the mayor of one of our large cities in the Philippines. His nickname was Dirty Harry. Uh, If you've seen the movie, it's an older movie, but it pretty well described him. Within the first year that he had been president of the Philippines, his declaration of the war on drugs was this. I turn loose the Philippine National Police 
and I turn loose others, and they will go to areas where there are drug use and drug sales, and we will stop the problem. The way he stopped the problem was summary executions. In the first year, close to 15,000 people were found on the streets the morning after, over a year's period of time, dead, with a bullet in their head or a bullet somewhere else. And sometimes a sign on their chest that said, "Drug, no to drugs, drug user, drug dealer. And a million people surrendered to police in the Philippines and said, don't shoot me, I surrender. The thing that was missing in all of this fear that was happening across the country was there was absolutely no message of hope. And God put this idea in our heart. You know, there is hope for people who are deeply involved in drugs. God can set them free. So we started to create freedom stories. And the first story we did was on a drug dealer. He was a gang leader in Metro Manila, and his nickname was Son of the Devil. Filipino name Puroy. And it was a documentary and drama and we, we, de- we designed these that they could be used on social media, but the real use was to be used in open public settings and among small groups of drug users who were trying to find a way out. And it was a message of hope. If God can save Puroi, he can save you. The first month it was up on social media. We just kind of put it up as an experiment. The first month it had one million views. It went viral. 30,000 shares, 20-some thousand comments. Today, it's at 2.5 million. But every video that we created, we created five of them. People from different backgrounds, from the rich, from the poor, from the gangs, and every one of them, the common thread of the story was Jesus can change your life and make you a new person and set you on a new path. He's the only one that can do it. He is the message of hope in this world of drugs. We're creating now, out of these stories, we're putting together a 30-minute television program that's going to air on a national cable television network uh, early next year. But who knew? It started with an idea, and it caught fire, and it put the Word of God right smack dab in the middle of the conversation, which is what we need to be doing as His church. The mission of God is that every nation, every tribe, every tongue will come to know the Lord. Second thing that Jesus says to us very quickly is Jesus wants us to see that the work is urgent. He says, lift up your eyes, look on the field. That's in the story. And the idea of look up was really look now. Look now. It's not agriculture. It's people that I'm interested in, and they're coming out to meet me. We can be tempted to say, you know, some people are just unreachable. They're too difficult. There are neighborhoods that God's not going to do anything in. What about all those ISIS sympathizers? God certainly hates them. They've got a warm place waiting for them when they die. I've heard people say this. You've been tempted with that. The thing is, is that God is working among refugees who are flowing out of the Middle East and they're ending up in Europe and churches and Christians are reaching out to them through acts of kindness. We've got a situation in the southern Philippines where a small city was literally destroyed in a fight between ISIS sympathizers and the government. 
And in this people group, there's over 1.2 million of this people group. They flooded out with only the clothes on their back. They went to refugee centers. We have one church in the entire province. It would be similar to one church in the entire state of Illinois that was a born-again church. Imagine that. Assemblies of God. Pastor says to himself, why are we sitting here when the need is out there? And he mobilized a group of volunteers and he asked for help and we were able to help him and the Assemblies of God in the Philippines helped him and he went from family to family and gave out 1,500 let's start over baskets. There was a floor mat that they could sleep on. There was a blanket that they could put over themselves. There was a, 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 a cook pan that they could cook rice in. There was a little bit of food. There was a couple of pieces of clothing and they went into these places where there was not one Christian, not one. They were all Muslims and they were all a part of a group that the people thought were ISIS sympathizers. And the people welcomed them and cried and said, you're the first that's ever come. Everybody's too afraid of us to come and help us. And as they were leaving, as the pastor and some of the team were leaving, the leader of this particular refugee center said, when are you going to come back and tell us about God? And the door opened. And now in this particular province of the Philippines, there is church planting going on that has never been possible before. Sometimes in calamity, God can work in the hearts of people and doors can open. There's a moment. There's a moment. And we have to see. God has to open our eyes to see. Fact is, is that lost people do have moments of struggle. Imagine the woman that day. Five husbands. Imagine the pain, the self-condemnation. Perhaps that day the man had cursed her, hit her. She was shamed before the community. What future was there? She could have walked to the well that day and said, why in the world do I even exist? And Jesus was there to tell her why. It's not that much different in Bloomington Normal. We don't know what people are going through. The loss of a loved one, a doctor's diagnosis, the fear for a child, no hope in the future, a job that wears a person out. When life is not working, the radar is on. The old expression, is this all there is, pops into their mind. But recognize this also, open doors have an expiration date. Life moves on. Things settle back down. It wasn't as bad as I thought. Oh, well, I'm just going to push through. I'll try something else. I'll leave this person and go with this person. Everything settles back down. We miss the moment. It's open doors right now in several countries in Southeast Asia, but for how long? China was open for a couple of decades. China is closing down in many ways, especially to the work from the outside. Social media, it's useful now. In one minute, 180 million emails have been sent. In one internet minute, four and a half million YouTube videos were watched. In one minute, it's open now. It's crazy now. The gospel needs to be there now. We have to be there at this moment. Jesus illustrates something that hopefully we can all identify with. 
most of life is about small stuff, isn't it? Small actions, small steps. Missionary comes here and we've got 25, 30 minutes to be able to share with you. And you think, wow, what an exciting life. Well, most of life is just about small stuff. You get up, you show up, you plan something together, you work with people, God opens doors, but it's small things that lead to big things. They're the building blocks for impact. God is into small. A baby, a manger, one man, 12 disciples. Doesn't get much smaller than that. 70 sent out, 120 on the day of Pentecost. God always begins with small. But it doesn't stay small. We can all do small. We can all listen. We can all say, Lord, I'll say yes to that. We can all be used in some amazing ways. The takeaway this morning, the last one is, Jesus wants me to raise my expectations. God wants to expand your world. He does. So keep your eyes open. Don't limit who God can use. There's an interesting thing going on in media today. There's a guy named Kanye. And I think he got saved. You know? And there are probably some people that are saying, oh, he probably didn't. Look at, yeah, he's, he'll be out of this in a month. Give him a chance. Sometimes we say, oh, God couldn't use that person. God can't work in that place. That is where God just loves to do the unexpected. Pray for that man. Pray for his influence. Pray for those around him. Pray that this young convert will be well discipled. That his eyes will not be enamored by a church that is pawing at him, wanting his attention. 10,000 Bibles were sent out by the American Bible Society to those who said, I want to know more about God. I don't have a Bible. They gave them out free. One of the biggest internet searches in the last month has been, what is Christianity? And it's all because of Kanye. So don't limit who God can use. And don't limit what God can do through you. Don't limit it. He is the God of the unexpected. When Kim and I began this journey a number of years ago, we had no idea where we would be today. We had a little vision and some stick to What does God ask of you? Show up. What does God ask of you? Open your eyes. What does God ask of you? If there's a particular group of people that you struggle to even like, He wants us to lay down our prejudices because in the kingdom of God, every nation, every tribe, every tongue is going to be there. And we have a chance to be participants with him in the good news. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word and I thank you for inspiring John to talk about a story that... uh, And really emphasize it so that we're not going to miss it. That, Lord, you work in unexpected places with unexpected people and there are unexpected results.
and the church has been built that way for 2,000 years. And so, Lord, I ask and we ask together that you would do the unexpected in our lives, that you would open our eyes to things going on around us, and you would help us to be your instruments as we share God's love and good news in this place and literally through our investments around the world. I thank you for each one here, Lord. I pray that we will take a step closer to you today by saying yes. We hope that you got a lot out of today's message and that you'll share it with a friend. To stay connected with what's happening here at First Assembly, be sure to go to the App Store and type in 1-A-G-B-N to download the app. Remember, God's created you for a great purpose. Now go and live it out today.